0: Once again, you have reached the Real Dirt Podcast. Thank you for joining me today on today's Real Dirt. I once again have my good buddy, Justin Jones. We've just got so much stuff to talk about. And and honestly, conversations with Justin was really how I... Developed the idea of the Real Dirt podcast. I have such interesting conversations with my friends within the industry, and I wanted to share those with you. and And today we have uh, Justin on the line again. Justin, are you there? Hey, how you doing, Jeff? Oh man, doing good, bro.
1: Doing All good. Right. What's going on over there on the West Coast? Just uh, I'm just transferring some uh, some sherbado here from a. Uh, from a Ziploc bag into a brown paper grocery bag. And I just Uh. wanna know how many guys out there and gals, how many people, Uh. cannabis growers, know anything about the old old brown paper grocery bag. I'm moaning,
0: dude, I'm moaning over here. I can't believe you're telling me you're putting your fine buds into a paper bag. Oh my God.
1: Man, What? Uh, why are you ruining your weed? Why are you doing this? No, man. No, no, no. This is a good thing. This is, no, this is what you want. It's good for uh, it. It's good for your weed to taste like cardboard? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's what it does. Oh, this.
0: Man, you put your wet weed in a or dry weed in a brown paper bag, and it sucks up all of that moisture that's inside that paper bag before it releases any out.
1: Well you gotta have a dry you gotta have a dry paper bag. You can't start with a moist uh, bag bud. Oh, okay, so you're telling me it's all in technique. Yeah. Well yeah. well let me let me hear it let me hear your technique on, on how you don't ruin your weed by putting it into a paper bag. Well I don't put it in there for that long and you gotta know whether you're rolling the top down all the way or if you're just kind of crumpling it up a little bit at the top, or whether you're leaving it just open. Okay. All
0: right. All right. You're going to have to start at the beginning. Start at the beginning. Tell me (laughs) what you're
1: doing again. It's something that the old school, probably, you know, guys that are older than us, you know, it's it's a way that uh, you can, before they had plastic bags, all they had have- before all those plastic bags, <laughs> you had paper bags. You could you could use the paper bag to just kind of get that last, real on a, in a slow way when you're at the end of your dry and cure and you've done your hang and now you're doing your seal and burp. And then you just gotta get that last little. Make it perfect. Uh, you can use the the brown paper bag, you know, and, and you got to look at other other industries too. I mean, the people store seeds in in paper bags. People store other things because it does have a little bit of a, a well, breaths. Give funny. and take, breathing mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. with the moisture. And so, you know, yeah, you don't want to push your you know your a wet you know paper bag moisture into your bud. But I would say it's a way to kind of temper it right at the end a little bit. If you need, if you need to, you don't always need to.
0: Mm-hmm. Man, I have seen
1: so many
0: people ruin weed by putting it in a cardboard box or in a paper bag.
1: Well, what uh, are they I, putting I, it in there for?
0: They, they're the same. They're trying to do the same thing you're doing. Right. They got their weeds almost dry, and they cut them down and put them in a paper bag to like finish them out, right? Or or cure them in a box. And I, I believe a lot of this came from uh, early 2000s cannabis cup, where that's what Ariane of uh, Greenhouse said that they did. They cured their weed for months in a cardboard box. Right. Right. But
1: you think there's actually a certain taste or flavor that
0: gets put absolutely. in there? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. It, it, huh. All right. So here's the thing. And you kind of said it earlier about you have to have a dry paper bag. Right. Well, right. It, it is it is a little more than that. If you have a dry paper bag, if you're in Colorado, if you're interior California, if you're in the desert, oh yeah. Wait a minute. Hold on. You've got see. a dry, I dry paper
1: bag. I got a dry paper bag in a small closet that's got a dehum pounding on the uh-huh. other side of the closet too. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Uh, see, you've yeah. got
0: a dry paper bag.
1: Or so, I'll blow a fan right. So, <laughs> if, if you point a fan right at the side of the paper bag, what you're trying to do is is get some movement, but not too much, and get and a little bit trying, of that you're, wicking, you're, but you're, not too much.
0: You're 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 trying to control the dry so that it doesn't dry so fast because you don't you, you don't have the best drying Right. right? right. That's what yeah. the paper bag really is started as and and became is it, if you didn't have enough or the best dry room you'd hang your plants and so they you know because they want at some point in many unless you have a proper dry room they'll never dry right right? Uh, right on on the coast of California Oregon Washington throughout the southeast you can hang weed up in your house and it will never dry in your closet
1: Oh, here in Oregon, I struggle with that. And, and, you know, coming from Colorado where you have a hard time not over drying here, you know, you just, I mean, most of the time here, your relative humidity is, you know, 50 to 60%, which is kind of where you want your, you know, stored, finished dry material to, to, you know, kind of. I don't know. End up right. No. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And so it just is like you know you're fighting the moisture and over moisture and and uh, those sort of things all the time on the West Coast for sure. Uh, so, especially coming into this time of the year here where it's going to rain three or four days a week and you're just always going to you know have that uh, that that moisture in the air.
0: So yeah, I mean, home growers and, and commercial growers would take their their buds down, put them in paper bags. And it would allow them to control the dry rate. They'd increase the heat, or the moisture would be sucked out of the paper
1: bag until they—they they, it would help them dry. It's, right. It makes it gives them a wider landing pad on not mm-hmm. fucking it up, right? And mm-hmm. so instead of being like, oh, if I if I miss the wind, if you're not doing that, you maybe you missed your perfect window by a couple of hours. Maybe this gives you a day of a window to get back to it to get it sealed.
0: So up. here's here here's the folly is because you're in these wet areas you those 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 cardboard bags and the cardboard boxes they they're sucking up moisture. Oh yeah, you can kill it. Right. Yeah, they suck up moisture. Yeah. So one you got to get those dry. You have to right. suck all the moisture out of them dry. So you have to put get a dehumidifier or a heater. Right. That's going yeah. to dry out these boxes and get all that moisture out of there. Right, because if they leave the moisture in there and then put your your your
1: weed in there, as your weed dries. It'll suck the moisture out of the bag. You're going the wrong direction. You have to and have it, right. the, yeah. the box or the yeah. bag's got to be drier than your cannabis, and, 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 and you this can is, only leave it in yeah. there for a certain amount of time. And you should, if it's doing its job, you should, the bag or the box should be super brittle, dry, and then you put your material in there. Let's say for 12 hours, you come back, you should be able to feel. Difference in the in the paper, and then get it out of there.
0: So it's now a, you're going to go the technique. wrong
1: direction. Now technique. your going to suck back up.
0: I've used the paper bags like so so many times. I've had you know years and years ago.
1: Well, it's about uh, it's all about reusing. You know, we try to recycle, and, and recycling's good, but reusing is even better than recycling. And at the end of the day, you know, I think cannabis guys are great at reusing those uh, those thin metal. Um, uh, hangers the from the dry cleaner, the dry cleaner hangers, you know, those are real popular with, uh, for hanging your branches. Right. And so, you know, there's a way to, cause those hangers suck. You, you get them from the dry cleaner and then you, uh, you know, you don't re, really use them to hang your shirts back up later. Right. So they get kind of built up. So those are good. And then the brown paper bags got to have them. I'm definitely not a
0: brown paper bag fan. I do, however, like to take the brown paper bag, fold the top over one time, maybe one inch or two inch fold, and then insert a turkey bag. Because then it holds the turkey bag up. Yeah. Right. And, you know, as you're going through your your cannabis, you can just put it it right inside to a a standing up bag, Mm -hmm. you know.
1: I like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's a a stand. It's a turkey bag stand. It's a turkey bag stand. Turkey or goose bags.
0: All depends on what you're doing, man. Here in Oklahoma, we sell cannabis out by the gram, meaning that we sell it to an extractor by the volume. So we'll have a volume and it'll be like, you know four thousand three hundred and eighty two grams right Right. that's not quite 10 pounds but we just we'll bag them up in goose bags like that in those large goose bags yeah and just get as much as we can specifically with with trim when we do that with trim and we 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 try to get at least a thousand grams in in one container but it's going to the extractor they don't care they check it into their system by the gram as well
1: you're not trying to sell somebody a
0: a perfect one pound i'm i'm absolutely not and you know we we try to go in 500 and 1000 increments just to make all all the math
1: easy less brain damage
0: yeah exactly less brain damage And I would use a larger container, and I've been told, and I am, uh, uh, we're going to start to stock these uh, bin containers, the bin bags. So they have a large turkey bag style that goes into the 30-gallon Rubbermaid bin now. Nice. Right. Yeah, totally. So I think we're going to push towards that and, and try to even get more cannabis in. Right, into one bag. Because, man, you know, it's one bag, one label. Here in Oklahoma, 10 pounds is a batch. We're not. You guys got pounds.
1: rules in Oklahoma now for that stuff?
0: Yeah, dude, there's, there's all kinds of rules here.
1: Yeah, Oklahoma right. is really for We real knew it was thing. coming. It was Wild West there at the beginning.
0: Oh, at the very beginning, it was like you can show up and in 30 days be doing whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. And that changed. That changed. to so you can show, show up in 30 days, apply for whatever you want. And then that changed to so you can show up in thirty days, apply for whatever you want. And then depending on your local municipality, you know, it might take one day to four months for you to get into any type of business or get any type of building plan passed or anything like that. And now we've just uh now you've two,
1: even got residency two years. Two
0: years two years residency here. If you're interested in coming to Oklahoma, you can only be an investor for twenty five percent now. If outside residents of the state of Oklahoma, they have a 25% state max for two years. And then there's a lawsuit I hear that they're trying to lift that. Who knows if that's going to maintain.
1: Other states, it has maintained. Well, We had a change in Colorado. Uh, we spent years fixing those laws. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Because... They were very uh, restrictive, and once all the money inside of Colorado ran out, as far as investment money and you had to get that sort money. of thing, then you had to be like, "I gotta go outside of the state." So, it first, started that you could get a, mm. fact, you could get an out, you could get a loan, and the loan could be guaranteed, like a convertible into ownership. If that, so you get a loan from a guy from another state. It says that could turn into ownership if that person moved to Colorado, lived there for two years, became a resident, then they could like convert. So you could do a loan that was convertible if these other right. things that's happened. Exactly. And that's, then after that convertible. Became, note. Right. And then after that it became, you know, you could just have out of state ownership. And then now, you know, it's in Colorado, uh the public pub are circling and making moves because now you can have uh, 49% ownership can be a publicly traded company. So, you know, it was always that they wanted to be able to just go background check, deep, deep dive on every single owner. So, you know, having a publicly traded company that could have thousands or tens of thousands of stockholders, right, didn't work. So now, so they fixed a lot of that. And so now the you'll, you're seeing companies in, in Colorado start to go go public or go that direction, so. Colorado's oh, yeah, now true. available for the multi state <laughs> operator, the MSO. But we were really talking about Oklahoma moving oh, forward. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, metrics, and the regulations and and uh yeah. so you guys are now using the Franwell metric tracking system. That is not in place yet, but it will they've be they've said they're going so they've they've contracted. Mm-hmm.
0: They've contracted, they say it's gonna be six months before they get it in place, who knows?
1: Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, well, that's so, good. And, you know, what's, what, what What I like about that and, you know, be it uh, what it is, metric really is tracking probably 90% of the can- legal cannabis. And, uh, you know, as we move forward towards a national uh, legalization effort, um, having a, you know, having one company that's kind of got most of that in line, uh, it, it should be good down the road as we hopefully in the next decade start to integrate the entire country into uh yeah, well, met- metric Legalized cannabis.
0: Metric uh, definitely steps steps it up. It's it's costly to scale metric. It's difficult to uh, scale it. So maybe some of the the people who were got tons and tons of square feet and lots of uh,
1: plant numbers, they they may change their operations. There's new companies coming in that are going to make it. They're going to take and give you a user interface for your company that really works for you and then behind the scenes it plugs everything into metric the way it's supposed to and so metric is very clumsy and it's very uh, designed towards the applications that the states want to use it for for tracking the inventory for tracking taxes and these sorts of things and yeah there's things that they thought would, would be great for the the uh, licensees on the user end, but they're still real clumsy and, they, and that hasn't been their focus. So there's some, definitely some other companies that can overlay and, and, and they're trying. Nobody's really knocked it out of the park yet, but I think that's coming.
0: It is coming and it is easier. You can print your own tags now. The technology's changing. It also makes uh, monitoring um, enforcement and regulation, the local government here, easier right and and it will drive more of that because now they can go into a field that is all r f i d they can immediately get all the data of all the plants in it you know they can immediately like follow that all the way from seed to sale in your operation that will make people tighten up their operations, their business models, account for everything. I mean, I tell you, I hope they haven't made all the rules because I hope they don't make us so, uh, you know, weigh that shit, wet, dry, stem weight, bud weight. Uh, <laughs> I hope we could skip all of that. I know you got, I know Colorado has that. I mean, it's, it's, that's not just a Colorado thing.
1: No, it really uh, tracking the waste, tracking, you know, all that plant material. It's kind of the foundations of, uh, you know, the early legalization, and, and, it re- and it really hasn't changed. And it's really, if you look at other industries, people are, are doing that on, on multiple levels. So, you know, you just, when you're trimming a plant down, you know, this yeah, thing's mean, going in this bin, the go in that bin, the bud goes that way, we weigh it wet. We weigh it, you know, we weigh it wet before, we weigh it, you know, dry after. You get all those markers all the way through. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, in all of my business, we
0: monitor all of our waste. Right. Our waste stream really does say a bunch about what you're doing in business. And, for instance, at, at Growers Cocoa, my soil manufacturing plant, we monitor all of the cocoa dust that's wasted. We, you know, calculate you know all of the inputs into what all the outputs are. We're always looking at our trash stream, our plastic, our wood stream going outside the business, because you know the fact of the matter is, if you have a, you know, a lot of bags that are torn in production, that shows up in your trash, and that means that there's something wrong with your machine or my employees or the material where the bags are getting ripped and and used, you know, yeah. inappropriately, right? Are uh, not used in a appropriate thrown away, and uh, each one of those bags costs us forty cents or something like that.
1: well, and um, it adds so it, up
0: yeah, it oh, it adds up, man, and then you you know also on the 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 waste stream, you get to calculate how many pallets of material that you've gone through, you know so it is important in in that business, you know manu- that manufacturing business to track it
1: for sure. Well, that's really what we're doing with, uh, with cannabis now that you can see the, the flow. Uh, it's, it's all manufacturing, you know. It's, it's, uh, it's agriculturally based, you know, growing, processing, packaging, manufacturing all the way down to get those, you know, consumer items.
0: Now, at some point, though, it's, it's overregulated, right? It's some, I mean, for, for me, in my view, cannabis is harmless right? Until you turn it into an extract. And at that it, point, it becomes like, I sh- I I'll call it dangerous, right? Because if if anyone consumed or a child consumed, you know, a, a chunk of extract, a gram of extract, they would be fucked up. Oh, yeah. Right. And they're not going to die, but it would definitely be a considered a poisoning, you know, an, right. a, an overdose. Sure. Right. They're not going to die, but like you know. Yeah, you they, don't want to do that to your kid. You don't want to do that to your kid or to yourself or to anybody. And like that—that's—that's that's to me where it becomes dangerous. And it, well, and that's it why the regulations.
1: Well, and that's why you'll see ten milligram doses of edibles and not hundred yeah. milligram. Yeah. Yeah. Don't believe 5, here in 000. Oklahoma.
0: There's a there's a a limit currently. There will be. There yeah. will. Look yeah. Yeah. Sure.
1: It's five. It's five here in Oregon, 10, 10 five milligrams of serving 50 in a bottle or a pack max. and Colorado it's 10 per serving 100 oh. in a pack. you know yeah. so one one item is you know 100 milligrams, 10 pieces of whatever edible. Or however that looks, uh, you know your Dixie elixirs. Uh, you talked about in one of our previous uh, chats. You know they'll have measuring guides on the bottle, or even sometimes they'll come with a little cap, like your like your cough yeah, syrup uh, bottle has your yeah, little uh, your the, little one ounce measure. Sure cap. That's awesome That's awesome So the tracking's overly done, but that's because we're still operating under you know uh, these. Uh, you know, the guys that the feds aren't going to do anything to you if you're operating legally in your state. And so I think that the tracking system is there and because it's been there since day one of Colorado, uh, you know, wreck. The tracking systems are what's helping protect the industry from, you know, the feds saying, hey, we're going to take these guys out. So, you know, as legalization happens nationally, you know, maybe some of these some of these things will uh become less burdensome that's not happening anytime in the future so you just have to get used to it you just have to spend the money on that end of the business and compliance and uh, inventory tracking and do do the uh do it right
0: yeah man it is and it is exciting to see it blossom here in Oklahoma it's a great place to be the people are just incredibly nice for sure it's inexpensive to relatively speaking to California or to Colorado to set up an operation. But, you know, the real reason that we're here is uh, the opportunity to help other cannabis farmers to cultivate OKC and uh, through our research at our cannabis farm, you know, to really figure out how cannabis grows best in Oklahoma, indoor, outdoor, greenhouse, Uh, the best type of products to use, how the season works. Like, it's
1: really just this huge R&D effort on our part. Well, that's just you guys aside, you know, from some of the other uh, companies out there that are selling, you know, nutrients or equipment or dirt or whatever. is that you guys are, are actually practicing and have been the whole time, you know, you're in it. You're
0: yeah, we want to get better, want to help other people do it better, want to, to overgrow the current stigma of cannabis. And that's what we're doing at Cold State OKC, Baker's Medical, Growers Cocoa, you know, at our farm here in Oklahoma. I mean, man, this place has been this was really a great spot. I mean, Oregon was a similar Manor years ago, and Oregon had a boom and bust. I mean, Oklahoma's going to do, do a similar thing. Hey, give me the give me the timeline, because Oklahoma will boom and bust due to the open regulations. And then the regulations and just the market environment,
1: it'll, it'll make it change. Uh, Ex- yes, eventually. Right. And you know eventually. how fast it happens. You know, here in Oregon, they've had was a room marijuana and, Was it medical yeah.
0: and then rec? How did it fold out there?
1: Right. So medical, uh, you know, has been around forever. Uh, obviously, there was a great uh, private market scene going back, you know, 40, 50 years now. But medical converted into recreational. And here in Oregon, they actually did away with the medical marijuana system from a commercial standpoint so when all of the medical marijuana stores were get, were forced to convert to recreational marijuana and give up their medical marijuana licenses and just sell recreational marijuana and so that's what, what you see now there's still a few handful of just medical only stores here in Oregon but It's only really in areas that are banning the recreational sales. So at the end of the day, if you have a medical card, which you could still have your medical card in Oregon and you can still grow your own. And if you have a medical card, you can grow a few more plants than you can just with your recreational uh, growing rights. But the, at the end of the day, you can go to the recreational marijuana store with your medical card and then you pay no taxes and you can get higher amounts. So instead of one ounce of flour, you can get, Four ounces of flour uh, at one trip, and instead of four grams of uh, you know hash, you can get whatever you know whatever it is. So so they've they haven't totally screwed over the medical side, but at the end of the day, people jumped in and it was wide open, and it was really easy to get a license in in Oregon. What, and that would years? have been 2015 going into 16. Mm-hmm. uh you know and then that, and that's when the conversion started happening here with measure 21 and the I think it was measure 21 uh which was the legalization of recreational here and then they really were able to find out how much cannabis these guys can grow in Oregon and there became a huge overproduction especially of outdoor you could get an outdoor rep uh, grow going for pretty cheap out on a farm down in southern Oregon and these guys just grew Way too much, and that first year best right, climate in the world. Was, best climate in it, the world, and and I think it was uh, two thousand. Uh, it was fall of sixteen. That was the going in as there was still a conversion going on, but it was it was going in, and I believe that it was like the best growing year ever. It was in the eighties and dry all the way until Halloween, and so it was just a major harvest. So, anyways. A lot of guys uh, were only able to get a hundred bucks a pound. That's kind of what it came to for outdoor, and people just started uh, really not doing well. So I think that uh, people started dropping out, and then with the hemp thing uh, in nineteen, a lot of cannabis guys grew hemp, smokable hemp, instead of ganja, and that cut it down uh, even more on the licensed uh, growers here in Oregon. and And now it's bounced back out. And if you're growing indoor, and you've got some really good indoor hydroponics. Type of bud you can get up to twenty five hundred a pound now wholesale sold to the stores. I think it's more in the seventeen to two and maybe twenty two, and then maybe there's a few of the really good name brand grows up here that are that are really great are are getting more a little bit more. Is that twenty five hundred premium? I mean, two years. It's been. It's just just now been turning this. I'd say it's just been now. five years, four to four years. years. So yeah, it took four or to five years of like
0: flooded. Like, what was the lowest price that, that cannabis that that quality cannabis got to? Tell me that. Five to six hundred. What about that greenhouse cannabis? What, that what, major production, the, the
1: major production. Uh, less than a hundred less than 100 cuz we had to start specking out a tier 2 outdoor grow in Oregon which is 40,000 square feet of canopy. Mm-hmm. So that's an acre mm-hmm. of canopy. Mm-hmm. And basically if you looked at what it costs you to grow and for your licenses and you know obviously it's pretty cheap cuz you're just using the sun uh, You know, natural stuff there, so you're not like paying for electricity like you would as indoor thing. These guys were lucky to get a hundred bucks a pound and basically pull off a uh, thousand pounds. So you get a thousand pounds at a hundred. So you, you could revenue about a hundred thousand on an acre. Growing it like that, though, on it's fairly inexpensive putting it into it, though, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's just $100,000 is not a lot yeah. of revenue. And, and especially if just, you're just the cost Agreed. of harvesting, Agreed. it all has to come down at the same time, you know? So you you can't necessarily just one-man that. It just doesn't work. It didn't work. Now, that's changed. It's, it's gone back up. To, yeah. Well, and they were just kind of calling those oil fields. And, you know, nobody really was buying that. Material for for a smokable sort of thing. Oh man, so, all of our R and
0: D—that's what we've done with it for sure, man. Just it's just like, going oh, to the extractor. Just going to the extractor. Oh, I don't like that strain. Oh, that didn't work out. Oh, that takes too long. Oh, that one's a little sick. Oh,
1: sure. you know. It's well, like, it is different if you're a vertically integrated company, and so if you're a if you have an indoor and an outdoor grow in Southern Oregon, and you have an extractor, and you have a store or two. Then it's fine. Grow the outdoor because you're just going to shove that through your, through your extraction line and take it to your store and you'll eventually get retail for it, right? So, but there were too many independent growers that weren't vertical. Also, so you know, all the guys in Oregon that that started out vertical and went with a grow and a store that sort of thing have all have done well the entire time.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah right, absolutely. Oh man, you know it's business, dude. Those same years in the hydro industry were lean eight years for us, and I would say it was about three years because it, it hit in in uh, well, one Oregon and California ruled the cannabis industry, regardless if you're independent in your state. Like their numbers and their volume, like really has a lot to do with what's going on in the rest of the country. Oh yeah. Uh, so, but in in oh. In Colorado, it it kind of hit peak about uh, you know about the same time, right? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it it was it was more affected in some way, and we seem to like uh, the flood happened there a season before and slow up a season before it did out there too. The numbers started yeah. coming up a little bit earlier. Um, it was a solid three years though in
1: Colorado. Yeah, for sure. Well, it just took wow. longer. It took longer. Yeah, right. It, it, right. Uh, and it's, it's a different curve. But uh, no, you well, know, it's uh, definitely. Well, uh, it what's the going, people going on? You, you brought us the outdoor. You brought you brought yeah. up outdoor. We're talking production. We're talking oh, yeah. where, where who produces for what. So what's up with all these fires and what's going on? Oh man, everybody you know, got how's that gonna so affect many people got burned out,
0: dude. I'm telling you all the ganja from, I'm not saying all, but a shitload of the ganja producing region in the country just got burned. Well, right. even if it, even if it like, didn't
1: actually get burned down, did it, uh, you know, no, I just read an article paper. about all the grapes in Sonoma and Napa are going to be unusable this year because they smell like fire. And so they're, even if the, the farm didn't get burnt on, there was so much smoke for such a large amount of time. It's still happening.
0: Yeah. Fires aren't new to over there. And I'm, i you know, we lived over there for almost 20 years. And, yes, some of it is so smoky that it will not sell. And then, you know, people have developed an ability to, like, like get that smoke out in some way, too. I'm not exactly sure how it's done, but maybe just through the natural aging process, the the smoke goes away. I'm not sure if you can extract it with that smoky flavor. I do know that, I mean, I personally know... three different people who've lost most of their gardens or all their gardens. Right. Yeah. And it is, I, as far as my listeners and people that I follow on Facebook and Instagram, you know, multiple farmers have lost their gardens and their infrastructure and it might not come back next year. Right. Right. So, I mean, this is, this is like last I checked, I'm not sure if you're in front of a computer, but it's the August complex, right? It's what they're calling it now. And they had several different fires that merged together in August yeah. and it was a hundred thousand acres. Yeah. Right. Like that is such a huge area, man. I mean, it spans like, you know, from Santa
1: Rosa all the way up to Hayfork and beyond. I, I just was looking at a right. map yesterday and it, it's, it's a huge part of the region there for sure. It's a um,
0: huge part. And that's not the only fire. That's just the biggest one. There are other fires throughout California, Southern California. And, you know, uh, those coastal regions are where the cannabis is produced. A lot of the hill cannabis, so to speak. Now, what what this won't affect are the people that are in, I mean, for next year anyway. It won't affect for all, all those people in the valleys and Uh, in in the quote-unquote ag land, Um, a lot of those people were pushed out of the, the forest area. Even though, man, I mean, fire does not care where you are. And the wind starts to blow, and it moves as fast as the wind blows. And I've literally watched it travel what looked like 10 miles to me in a matter of moments. You know, well, that's what day we day just day. had
1: in Oregon here, and and it did affect uh, a lot of the uh, a bunch of marijuana guys and hemp guys. And, Southern uh, Oregon uh, huge, had a huge fire too. Huge right. fire, but the one we had right. up here by Portland uh, was big too, and it caused some problems. And and same sort of thing you're just saying, it was uh, we had a big windstorm, which normally doesn't happen until like. November, December, once it's rainy, it happened, uh, you know, uh, starting, uh, the day after labor day. And mm-hmm. basically there was already a fire going and it wasn't that big. And then we got these like hundred mile an hour winds up in the mountains coming down into the valley and it moved, the one fire moved 20 miles to 12 hours. Wow. Yeah. So. Uh, Man, I you know, I'm, I'm concerned about uh, even just these, I saw some hemp fields and, and, you know, they look fine, but you just, I didn't get, I don't know what's going to happen. These, It was uh, so smoky here and the air quality was, was like, uh, you know, as bad as it can get. You don't even want to be outside. So, you know, what did that do to the outdoor cannabis plants, hemp or whatever that, you know, we know them to be a sponge. We know them to be bioremediators of some level. So is the, is, are those uh, plants going to you know, be infected or uh, toxic or have heavy metals or some other thing from being smoked out for about seven or eight days here in Oregon? So even if wow. you weren't close to the fire and didn't get hit that way, you lost sunlight production really because the, there was this weird sepia filter going on oh, for like eight days and, so the, so, and, and all weird. the plants just stopped growing Yep, yep. 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 all the plants just stop sort of stopped growing everything like everything stopped growing
0: mass right. the mass My, co2
1: yeah yep so you know it'll be interesting to see what that just did to these plants and maybe they You know, got cleaned up because you know that went away, and the weather's been good, and they've had some good. You know, maybe they uh, were able to. Well, there's enough
0: time if there's enough time before harvest, the plants outgrow it. Sure, right, and and
1: but it's it's different if you got rained at right at
0: right. Well, if you're harvesting right at the smoke, right, Right. like if if you know if, if. if the fire is at your house, if you're under that sepia layer we're talking about, and yes, the harvest season, you're going to be the most affected, unfortunately. And and maybe you've got some technique or something that we'd love to hear about here on the Real Dirt. Let us know. Man, that's just just hard when it's just smoke and you're harvesting your weed. Yeah, I've oh, been there, man. You know, you guys didn't
1: have any fire
0: problems in Oklahoma, right? Fire season comes like fall and winter. For us, that's the dry season, yeah, that's to come, but last year there were some fires I mean fires happen here they they put up uh you know fire warnings do not burn warnings, it's windy, lots of
1: grassland, it's dry, the trees are small comparatively. Yeah. Definitely sounds like there'll be a shortage. uh, There's going to be some sort of shortage this year. It is going
0: to affect the demand, and there was already demand was already up. So, uh, demand's not going anywhere. It's going to keep going up, just prediction. And supply, man, we just lost a huge chunk of the supply. And I mean, I'll tell you, Oklahoma didn't have the best outdoor growing year this year. If you were trying to pull before October, it was rough. You know, yeah. it was humid and rainy throughout the the state. Colorado, you know, they had uh, that early freeze this year. Oh yeah, you know, so right. they're outdoor. They're outdoor. Like it was diminished by that. Sure, some people have survived, and but a, a, a chunk of people lost out over that. You know, on the East Coast, it was also a little bit more humid and wet. More, you know, hurricanes came through this year than any year before. So I, I think the overall outdoor production for 2020 is going to be low. Um, combined with COVID, with all the new farms not being able to get the supplies, the materials, the people, the employees out, you know, to the garden, you know, this is a, a really great year to be involved in cannabis. I predict that the price will initially dip as outdoor what is comes into place and everybody floods the market and then between december and january most of that will have uh run through the marketplace and then the price will increase you know currently here in oklahoma there's indoor weeds between three and thirty six hundred dollars Yep. right wholesale this is of a similar nature in California. In Colorado, it's cheaper, but, you know, 2800 bucks, $2,600. That's all going to go up next year. Right. The wholesale price of weed is going to go up. Fortunately for you listeners and consumers out there, generally the end user price doesn't go up terrible. No. You guys are going to continue to pay 10 to $20 a gram, 40 to 50, $60 an eighth. Right, and that's been going on since uh, nineteen ninety six. Yes, it has. <laughs>
1: well, that's good. Yeah, the consumer prices. Well, and, and you know that they might go up a little bit, or you might see a, sort of the higher end cannabis become a little bit more expensive, and maybe the quality of the lower price stuff is not quite the same. Right, you see, see a, a little gap, a bigger gap there.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a good year to be in it. I'm glad I am. Things are good. We've had a better year than ever at my grow stores and with Growers Cocoa Fiber. You know,
1: more people than ever are growing cannabis. When's Oklahoma going recreational? Oklahoma. Yeah, go when, when's right, going is this all chips
0: predictions? Okay, here's the other. Here's some more chips predictions. I think sometime next year it'll be introduced into legislation. I think it'll be a, a legislative movement here. If it's 2021, and they're just going to push it over to recreational 2022. Maybe right. no vote, gonna, no
1: public vote. No. let go. They'll just do the laws downtown and uh, get it. Yeah, I think the, that's uh, what's going to happen. I think we're going to see gonna more and more of that as the country goes. That we doesn't necessarily going to have to go to a big statewide vote. And it, it, which you know, if they feel like everybody is good with it, and you trust your local congressperson and representatives, uh, to do, you know, then it it, it works. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Maybe it moves to 2023. If it has to be a voter-sponsored initiative here, that might occur. But as far as, yeah, recreate or adult use, uh, I would prefer to call it. I'm shooting for 2022. 2022. Tw- Look, 2022. Tw- yeah i mean who knows who knows what's going to happen with the economy and the recession and and everything It's incredible how like because we've kept all of our spending and whatnot internal and everybody's just like sitting at home and buying stuff online and saving money and not doing stuff and you know it's uh our, our economy isn't so bad right now i mean it it you know the stock market's holding its own banking hasn't crashed. People are still buying houses. I mean, I know there's a bunch of people out there hurting right now, and I'm sorry to hear it if you are man. I know it, but like it's weird that to me that just a little bit of stay at home you know a little bit of government sponsored cash has really
1: uh kept this country floating man i'm not i'm not I don't even know what's going on, yeah, well, people definitely uh are smoking more cannabis. Absolutely, because unemployed people smoke more weed. That is 100%
0: a fact. Uh, Every time I've been unemployed, I've smoked more weed. How about you?
1: Yeah, oh, for sure. Uh, I think that it's also, uh, you know, if you're stuck at home and you're, you know, dealing with this pandemic and everything, it's it's a smarter choice, you know, if you're bored
0: and you're not going
1: out. I mean, you know, the thing about alcohol and, and how social it is is that, you know, maybe you go out two or three times a week and maybe it's a happy hour with some work colleagues or you're meeting some friends over here and I have a couple of beers you might say fuck it well people don't necessarily feel the same about just sitting at home every day chugging three four beers you know bore, by yourself <laughs> you know so we're we're because it's just you know the social aspect so but sitting at home and packing a bowl you know it's I think it's more tangible in the situa- in the current in the current situation Right. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely.
0: And, you know, Netflix is like, uh, I mean, weed Netflix
1: has been the number one way people have, you know, filled their time this past six months. That, I mean, right. I got a, I, I got my kids the Nintendo Switch, and I found some uh, games that I enjoy on there that's been kind <laughs> of fun, but I didn't ever well, see myself been... playing Super Mario Brothers at my age. But, you know, hey, you know, it's something you can, you know, Catch a buzz, sit there and do that. You know, for twenty or thirty minutes. I mean, I don't. I'm not promoting you know gaming uh, as a full time job or anything. But uh, you know, yeah, you got to find some di- <laughs> di- different uh, home enjoyment. And you know, and people have been putting time and effort into their home gardens. And hopefully, people have been you know grew some extra, you know, grew some cannabis plants at home if it's legal in your state. And you know, just because you spent less time running around town and doing. Uh, stuff away from the the home front this year, and I think next year will be similar. So,
0: absolutely, I think people are going to stay at home more. I think that uh, people are going to grow their own at home more. I think that throughout you know the country now, it's legal to grow your own and accepted to grow your own, even if it might not be legal where you are. That uh, people are going to sit home, man. They're going to grow some weed. The amount of weed that enters the marketplace isn't going to be isn't going to meet the demand. We're not going to have an oversaturation. I could be wrong, but that's my prediction. There's going to be a lot of first-time weed growers this year. All right, because of it,
1: right? Well, it's, uh, it's been good catching up here. On yeah, some man, different, it's uh, Some different topics and jumping around a little bit, but uh, mm-hmm. once hopefully again, you, just hopefully you can turn this into again. a good a good podcast. Ah, uh, we just throw uh, it
0: all out there these days, Justin. You I know. know that's kind hey, of the you point know of the real dirt
1: is we just we throw it get, out. We need to do a episode. Uh, we did it years ago where we were, where we just prank called a bunch of people and uh, did like uh, little ten minute uh, check ins. We should
0: prank. We should do a Justin Chip and Justin prank call. Okay, we'll we'll schedule that one up. Next up,
1: yeah, uh, let's do Chip that Justin again. Justin that was fun. Prank just call. check in with a bunch of people, but otherwise, yep. you know, uh, it's harvest time here in Oregon. The the hemp plants are coming down. We uh, we've had decent weather after all that smoke, but uh, we got a rainy weekend going on now, and then a little bit more dryness coming. And so people are uh, are scrambling. I got a call the other day; and somebody needed to uh, help harvesting 50 acres of hemp. So uh, you know it's uh, it's it's going down, and uh, we'll see. We'll know here in the next uh, six weeks how it all went. I suppose. Well, thanks for the call again, Justin. Thanks for joining us on the Real Dirt. Always a pleasure.
0: And thank you for listening. This has been the Real Dirt Podcast with Chip Baker and Justin Jones. If you enjoyed this episode, you can download others at iTunes and Spotify. We're the Real Dirt Podcast. Please, please, please subscribe. Hey, man, thanks for joining me. You guys have a great rest of your day. Later.